welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potzagire, your host, an artist and educator. Hello, thank you for listening. In this episode, you'll get a little peek into my time in the Czech Republic as Valentin Svihalek and I spoke a bit about life there, especially as an American mother. Valentin Svihalek talked about embracing her creativity and shifting in her career as she moved physically and emotionally through life. I love how she dove into being an artist and then working with fellow artists, especially mothers, to bring out their creative voices. Valentin Svihalek is a Belgian and American contemporary visual artist, international educator, and mother. Living and teaching in diverse communities around the world, she cultivated a desire for discovery and development. After the birth of her first child in a village surrounded by people who spoke a different language, she felt isolated. Turning inward, she developed a process of art making that liberates expressive energy and establishes connection. She engaged in the Artist Residency in Motherhood program. This experience, combined with graduate studies in philosophy and postgraduate studies in teaching, literacy, and culture in San Diego, served as the foundation for further exploration. Valentin founded the Mama Create Collective, a community that facilitated opportunities for English-speaking creatives in the Czech Republic. Inspired by her community work, she published The Imperfect Artist Mother Journey as a reflection on postpartum experience. Her European network merged with the Global Collective Art Moms United, where she serves as co-director. Valentin has exhibited her work in galleries in Europe and with the Jewish Museum in Prague. She is co-host of the Art Moms United podcast and is a member of a variety of directories and artist organizations, such as Spilt Milk Gallery, the Art Queen Society, Create Magazine, Artist Mother Network, and Artist Residency in Motherhood Program. Let's hear from Valentin. I am speaking today with Valentin Shvihalek, and I am so excited to hear about your story. It's a little bit different from a lot of the people I speak to because you're not teaching anymore, but you were teaching for a long time. So we will kind of hear about that transition. I really like to start with just kind of origin story, like how did you become an artist? How did you get into teaching? Could you kind of walk us through your story? Sure. I would say that I didn't think that I would end up as a teacher or as an artist initially, mm. but hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So mm-hmm. initially, I studied philosophy. That was my bachelor's studies. Mm. And then I thought, oh, okay, I'll probably go to law school or maybe I'll continue with philosophy. I wasn't quite sure. And I ended up in a situation with a partner who, who kind of guided me towards like, gosh, you know, you have to be a teacher. It's just you and so on. So, and I ended up experiencing that and realizing that it really did suit me and Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. And the further I went down that path, so I got my multiple subjects uh, teaching credential in California and I did special ed for a short time. I was in the credential internship program 
but Mm -hmm. the funding was pulled. So then I switched gears. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can relate to that, right? Funding being an issue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I ended up switching into my master's in literacy. So I was still teaching at the time. And then I kind of went the studying and working route for a bit. Then some family things happened. And the funny thing is, is my master's that I was studying was literacy, culture, and TESOL. And the reason that I Mm. took that emphasis was because I always kind of anticipated that I might leave the States, even though it wasn't Mm. this like certain trajectory or something. It was an idea that was just implanted there somewhere that, well, Mm -hmm. because I'm Belgian and American and I always felt like I had one foot in each place. So for me, it was, yeah, it just kind of gave me that extra sense of comfort somehow that it made sense for me. So towards the end of my studies, some family things happened and I needed to go back to Belgium to help my family. I had just actually secured a job in San Diego, Mm. which was a really strange timing because I had just secured a wonderful job in San Diego. But then I ended up going back to Belgium to help my family and some things happened. And I ended up then teaching at the International School of Brussels. It was just, you know, kind of a whirlwind. And then from there, I was teaching in different international schools and Mm. mostly primary mostly primary Mm -hmm. teaching. I really love the little ones. So for me, that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think you'll ask me a little about my approach, but I just love little, little people. They're just amazing. And (laughs) there's just, yeah, there's so much love and so much joy. And I just love sharing the journey with them. So for me, that was, Mm -hmm. especially at that time that that was the right fit for me. And I think Mm -hmm. that changes. I think as a teacher, some, some people are really like, you are going to be a kindergarten teacher for the rest of your life and you love it and it's the best thing that ever happened to you. Or you're this kind of person who kind of ebbs and flows with, all right, now I'd like to teach this, then I'd like to come into that. And well, now I have children, so maybe it makes sense to teach a little bit older and and so on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In terms of my artist, should I keep going <laughs> here? Yeah, I want to hear about the artist side. When did that come in? So that was actually then shortly after I had moved to the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. I came here I for a teaching position as well at the international school. And I ended up meeting my husband and we, <laughs> we were married one year later, two years later, I had my son and it was just, it, I mean, we were older, so I think things happened for us more quickly. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, once I had my son, it was pretty it just completely changed everything for me because I was yeah. living now in this village and you've lived in the Czech Republic so you know that it, yeah. coming from Cal and and you're in California as well, right? So mm-hmm. coming from California, coming to the Czech Republic, what was it like for you? It was well, I we had been in New York before that. Oh, so okay. we came from New York to Prague. So it was city to city. Like we didn't come straight to a village, but we did get to visit some of them while we were there. And yeah, I can see that just being such a big sort of culture shock. And the language as well. Yeah. Also, I didn't have as much of that because we were in Prague where, you know, most people speak English. True. 
Yeah. And I'm in the other, the second largest city here in the Czech Republic Mm -hmm. and just outside of that city. But I'm really, you know, the center is not far, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. I'm in a small village and, you know, just imagine yourself surrounded by people who don't speak English None of my neighbors, they, they would kind of run away from me, to be honest. Like if I would walk oh. outside and say, hi, they would just be like, whoa, who is this person? And why are they talking to me? Because it's not very natural for them. They're much more, mm-hmm. they're wonderfully open once you know them. But in general, people mm-hmm. are not, you know, it's just the opposite of California. In California, everyone's like, hi, <laughs> you know, we're really out there. <laughs> But it doesn't necessarily mean anything more. And here, people are really cold until you get to know them. So mm-hmm. that difference was really striking for me. And of course, after having a child, not having my family here, not having mm-hmm. my friends close by, it was a lot. It was really you know, a huge shift for me. And that was the moment when I got connected with this expat community here. And mm-hmm. I made some brilliant friends wonderful, wonderful girlfriends who had also just become mothers. We connected. And I know that that's quite a common thing. Yeah. Like the, I know know I had a similar experience though. Yeah. Where like I had a group of women, mostly expats from, you know, all over the place, but we did prenatal yoga together and then had our babies and then went to like breastfeeding class together. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And, and for us, for us here, it was, you know, we would meet in the park and then we started to actually meet in my home and I have a really nice garden. And so we would do a lot of activities outside and we started sharing Mm -hmm. our passions a bit. Somebody taught me, you know, decoupage and then we got really crazy and we started breaking plates. Our neighbors thought we were like even Mm -hmm. crazier than before. And we were just like (laughs) smashing plates in my driveway. (laughs) And then we basically used that for some mosaics that we were making. Mm -hmm. And we, we just, we were really dabbling in all types of experiences and we were really open and we were just ready to have some fun and relax and do things that we could do around our, our babies at the time. Mm -hmm. But that also just, you know, encouraged us to get to know each other, do something for our mind. And yeah, it was lovely. I really enjoyed that time and I made some wonderful friends who will be lifelong friends. A small group of us are actually going to meet one of my close girlfriends, Aurelia. She's French, but she moved back to Edinburgh because that's where her husband is from. And they just got a little place. And so the the small group of us, the four of us are going to meet there and just have a girl's trip. So it's, you know, these things last forever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Those moments are just so treasured. But in any case, this is what, long story short, (laughs) this is really what started me on that journey of exploration. Mm. And once I got into painting, once I started thinking about painting, I just became addicted. It was Mm. something that I started and I, I mean, I was like, literally, I mean, my poor neighbors, they must really, I don't know what they think of me, but I was then in my garden and, you know, I'd wake up and I'd still be in my nightgown and I'd be out in the garden just painting, like, you know, going crazy. (laughs) But that was kind of my dance and my sanity. And it was a way for me to reconnect and find that complete freedom of expression and communication. Mm. And it was just so needed and so welcome in that moment, you know, I just can't, I couldn't stop. And I knew, I mean, it was so strong in me that everyone, my neighbors came by, they wanted to buy some paintings. Then I had an artist friend of my husband 
he's quite a known chick artist and and he you know for me i mean not whatever that might mean for me it was really special to have this person come mm-hmm. in telling me who hadn't really experienced that on a you know i didn't go to art school i i didn't really know if what i was doing made any sense but he was there giving mm-hmm. me that permission to dig deeper and to keep going mm-hmm. and he offered me an exhibition space and said look you need to have an exhibition because my husband was like come on tell her i had an entire room full of paintings you know i was creating every free moment so i just really had so much that they said, look, you have to show this. You have to get it out there. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. It was just, I was like, okay, well, I'm a very social person. So why not? Let's have an event, you know? <laughs> it sounded great to me, you know, to be able to connect and speak with people and just have conversations. So yeah, that was kind of a, a real entry point for me. Yeah, that's amazing to have that encouragement and to, you know, jump into it as this sounds like such a personal thing, a way to kind of come back to yourself and reconnect with yourself after becoming a mother. Yeah. And then to have someone come in and say, hey, you're doing something here and you should show other people like this needs to be shared. Absolutely. It was, it was amazing. I, mm. I didn't expect that. Let's say I had some struggles mm-hmm. growing up that, that really created maybe the opposite of that freedom in me where I felt mm-hmm. very restricted and very judged. And so I wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. ready to, and I really didn't trust myself. And that was a huge mm-hmm. problem for me is that trust. And I think that connected with the motherhood and also with the work you know, really, is this interesting? I don't know. Does it even make sense for anyone? Does it even make sense for me? But actually, it was all about that process and just allowing myself to absolutely not judge what I was doing, but just go for it and go big and just love with like, you know, I'm very expressive <laughs> as, a, as a human. <laughs> so for me, it was so freeing. I was just having mm. so much fun. And letting go and not worrying. And that was, you know, so incredible for me to, to know that mm-hmm. I could go to this safe space and just let go and be myself, mm-hmm. my crazy, fun, totally hyper excited self. And no one was going to tell me, don't be like that. Don't do this. Oh, amazing to have that freedom. Well, you were still teaching at this time, right? I was on maternity then, leave now. Okay. Oh, right. Because yes. there's that's a whole other thing in <laughs> right. thinking about the states versus the Czech Republic that maybe we should get into. But I was going to ask about how this shift becoming an artist, how this influenced your teaching or if it came into your teaching at all. I would say it's it's so interesting. Like I said before, hindsight is twenty twenty because now I can mm-hmm. see the connection. Then I absolutely yeah. did not. I remember very, very clearly this mm-hmm. lesson that I did with my students, Karel Appel. Do you know this Dutch artist? Mm, no, I'll have to look him up. It was, I. we went to Barcelona one year and I just love Barcelona from a creativity point of view. And it's just so inspiring, all the color and the love and the magic. It's just amazing, an amazing place. And we were, I think, in the Miro Museum, and we picked. I picked up all kinds of teaching tools there. I always, whenever I go somewhere like that, I'm like, ooh, 
look at this for the classroom and that, you know? (laughs) So there was this box and inside of it were all these different artists and activities that you could do with kids. Mm. And it is a magical resource. Well, one day I decided to open it up and I saw this bit by Carl Apple. It was about families and Mm. we were basically going to construct our families out of recycled material. So imagine me, you know, my chaotic self, I just gathered all the things, you know, go big or go home, gather everything I could find. And I just had it like over here, are some boxes over here are some of this over here are plastic. Here's that here's and just different materials laid out all over the room. I mean, it looked like a mm. disaster, but in the best way possible. <laughs> And I remember thinking, this lesson is going to go so wrong. This is going to be a disaster. But actually, it was still to this day, one of the most memorable lessons I've ever taught. And we just dove in together. We were, you know, creative explorers and kids don't miss a beat. They don't see what you see. You know, they don't have all those hopefully, right? They don't have all those worries that we have and concerns. Mm-hmm. But that's beautiful. It, it, it really yeah. was. It was so magical because they just dove in, no expectation, no, mm. oh, what will people think about what I create? Absolutely none of that mm. judgment, just pure joy and excitement. It was amazing. And I rem- mm. I made photos of that lesson that I remembered even throughout my maternity leave, I was going back and looking at those photos and they were just so inspiring to me. And I think that class was quite magical for me as well. Sometimes you just have a group of students at a particular time that, and most of my students have definitely done this for me, but this one was with the artistic journey, very connected in the sense that they were just, Mm -hmm. just had a beautiful spirit, you know? And Anyway, it it was a magical lesson. I will remember it forever. And it just reminds me always to really trust in the creative process and not Mm -hmm. judge it from those rose-colored glasses point of view, just Mm -hmm. to really believe that anything is possible. And that they, students, are going, they do believe everything is possible if you are willing to trust them with that process. Yeah, that's beautiful. It sounds to me like what you sort of set up for them was more student-centered, like you have these materials around the classroom. Maybe this is a good time to talk about your approach with the little ones, with primary. Because to me, at least for that lesson, it's sounding like very student-centered, you know, towards Montessori style, where they're able to gather what they need and work on their idea. Yes. Which I find like that's so inspiring for me too. And just seeing what students create when you give them that freedom and you give them that trust. I I know that people say, you know, oh, but they need to know this, this, and this. And there's a checklist of, you know, skills that we need to see demonstrated and so on. But I'm really, Mm -hmm. and maybe that's especially from the point of view and where I was coming from at that time, I didn't study art. So for me, even though I was responsible for teaching art, I had to really think outside the box as to how I was going to deliver that. Drawing was not a skill that I actually honed when I was young because I was always told, you are terrible at this. Don't try this. That's not your thing. And so I I know a lot of artists say, oh, I knew forever, you know, and it's magical. I'm like, yes, I wish I would have known sooner that this was really what I wanted to do. 
and I loved it. And it's definitely where my passions were, but I wasn't allowed to explore that part of myself. I was really, Mm. yeah, I just wasn't really allowed to do that. It wasn't okay. It wasn't accepted around me and, and I wasn't encouraged. Mm. And that's something that I always want to give to my students is to say, this is not for a select few. This is for everyone. This is for you. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about what people say. Enjoy this to the fullest. And I think Honestly, I remember when I was given the choice to teach PE or art, and I was like, don't give me art. Don't give me art. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, and actually, and actually later I was like, actually, can I change my mind about that? Because I'd much rather teach. And, and anyway, we had to switch. So we had to switch halfway through the year because the other person also wanted to teach art or PE or whatever it was. So we had to swap halfway through the year. And actually art, I was like, this is it. This is the best. What was I thinking? Mm. You know, I love sports, but (laughs) no, 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 this is, this is my jam right here. This is so much fun. What was, you know, Mm. holding me back. And it was such a pleasure. I mean, and not everything about, you know, not every lesson was, as you described this Caro Apple lesson, you know, sometimes it was really demonstrative or like, you know, I was standing at the board and, and we were doing, you know, step-by-step kind of pieces Mm -hmm. or collaborative pieces where I start and you continue. And there's just, I think it's a lot of, yeah, I think it's just everything that is common to me, which is being free, being open, being flexible, Mm -hmm. and also letting students decide. Sometimes I just say, look, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of thing that we need to cover. What do you guys think? Do you have any ideas? Let's think about what we can, where can we go with this? And to really bring them into the fold, that was ideal for Mm -hmm. me. I mean, the buy-in, it was there, the engagement through the roof, because it's their decision. They're ready because it's their journey, you know, and we get Mm -hmm. to go along on that journey with them, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and I think now it also really informs the teaching that I'm doing, because again, as I started teaching, you know, working uh, as a mentor and working with other artists and creatives and creating that safe space for them, they're adults, right? And I was like, oh, but I've never really worked so closely with adults. Ooh, can I manage this? And and actually, mm-hmm. once I started, I realized, gosh, this is wonderful. And I think that it's just, mm-hmm. for me, I couldn't imagine. I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And to be all day in the classroom with that age, you know, six, seven years old, eight years old, what I was teaching... I I think I would lose my mind right now. You know, (laughs) I'm not in the headspace for that. And some people might disagree, but for me, that is where I'm at. (laughs) And I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like too much. Yeah. yeah, Well, and it just, it just didn't, once I discovered painting, honestly, there was no Mm -hmm. going back there. I I knew that this was the way it was going to be for me. This is the Mm -hmm. direction my path started to unfold. And I just, I didn't have a choice, but I did in the best way. (laughs) Yeah, that's wonderful. I would love to hear more about that transition, like how you shifted from the classroom with young primary age students to now working more with adults with other artists. (sighs) I think it's, they're both kind of the same in the sense that I really come (laughs) from the heart. Mm. I really am or try to be as much as possible open and talk to the people that I'm working with, whether it's children or adults, and find out really what they need and how I can help. Mm -hmm. Because I see myself as more of a facilitator, I would say. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not an imparter of 
knowledge. I, I don't see myself in this role. I, I don't feel that mm-hmm. that's our role. But I feel to engage in that journey. And maybe that's why it makes so much sense for me right now to do what I'm doing because I, that's where my interests are right now. And that's what I'm pushing for it. And that's kind of the daily work that I'm diving into. So it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense to communicate about that. And I'm just loving it. It's given me so much. And sometimes I'm like, wow, you know, I'm facilitating this and I'm, do I, is it fair that I'm receiving so much at the same time? Like, shouldn't I be the one giving, you know? Mm -hmm. But actually it it is, when the exchange is real and open, it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, you gain so much. So I'm lucky, I guess. (laughs) Absolutely. And some of that work is through Art Mums United. Would you want to talk about how that kind of came about and what you're doing with them? Sure. That is a wonderful and funny story. But yeah, so I created a community here in the Czech Republic, which was a creative community for English speaking individuals, because of course, I was here. I was I had kind of carved out this space thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. I need to build a community around myself. I knew a lot of people Mm -hmm. because here in the Czech Republic, it's so, everybody's just engaged in some creative outlet and they think they're terrible at it, but actually they're amazing and brilliant. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just, we, they always joke. They say, oh, you Americans, you're so confident, you know, and here the trend tends to be a bit more like, we're really, they won't speak English because they're very bad at English, but actually mm-hmm. their English is fantastic. And right. it's my Czech, which is truly lacking, but I don't care. I just speak Czech and they half the time don't know what I'm saying. And I'm just like, come on, you know what I'm saying, you know? So we have this, this give and take. Mm-hmm. So I created this community around myself and it was just during New Year's where I said, okay, this year I'm going to really build that community and it's time for me to learn. And the only way that I can learn is to find all those, you know, pool everyone together who speaks English and get them to share and get them to connect. I love connecting people. So for me, that was just such a beautiful thing. And it started very small. It started with, you know, okay, I know this person and this person, she needs this and she has that great. They'll be great together. Let's put them together. And so I was kind of like matchmaker (laughs) and, and I saw these partnerships develop and it was just happening all around. And then I started to think bigger, okay, this needs to be a community that serves people and, connects them in some way and educates us and myself included, right? Because it was a little bit selfish as well. I wanted to gain that knowledge. (laughs) So yeah, so we, we created the Mama Create community. We had lots of collaborative exhibitions. We went to gallery visits, mentoring. I'm trying to think what else we all did at the beginning, but lots of activities. And I think we had something like six exhibitions in the first year, Mm -hmm. something like that. It was beautiful. Yeah. And we, and and just lots of relationships developing and flourishing. And Mm. so it it was really a wonderful time. We had about a hundred people very quickly. It it just kept moving. Mm. And at one point now recently over the summer, I believe Mona and I connected on Instagram. I had Uh, no idea that (laughs) she was living here in the Czech Republic. And not Mm -hmm. just that, but in my city. Right. (laughs) 20 minutes from me. And I was like, wait a minute, you live here? 
And she'd kind of heard my <laughs> name. I, I didn't know, I heard her name, but I didn't know that she lived here. So it was this really interesting connection that we made through social media. We said, okay, we have to meet. And I remember talking to my crit group with uh, Isadora Stowe, who I know that you just released an uh, episode of. My, yes, I love her. She's, she's amazing. Yes, she's been <laughs> an absolute gem on my journey and a huge part of that. And my mentor, my group as well, especially mm-hmm. Ellen Bergen. Shout out to her because she has been just mm-hmm. one of the most amazing supportive artists I could ever hope for. But yeah, so we met, Mona and I met went for coffee and there was just this instant connection. We just knew Mm -hmm. that we had to do something. We weren't sure what, because we had 20 what's (laughs) like, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do And so, (laughs) so we got carried away and I, every time we met, we were like, okay, we have to go. And then we'd stay for another two, three hours and, and just be chatting and riffing ideas. And it was brilliant. So Mm -hmm. we knew that we needed to do something and we were thinking about creating a new platform, but together, but then we decided to go ahead and keep the Art Moms United platform. And I would just come in as her co-director. So we would share the work together and it's been wonderful. I think that I'm still hoping to be able to offload more things from her, but you know, the transitions, it's always tricky when it would be different if you start something new together. Mm-hmm. But if there's something already existing, you know, one person has that, it just takes a little more time to get things equal. And of course I'm bringing something mm-hmm. totally different. She's bringing something totally different. And so we're, we're kind of trying to figure out the way to best weave those together and, mm-hmm. We have some really nice events coming up here in the Czech Republic as well. So we have mixers, a networking event coming up. We Mm -hmm. have exhibitions, just so many things. We're writing a book right now. So we are really just moving as fast as we can. (laughs) And she's at home with her son. So it's crazy. I think we both don't sleep. I, I feel like we average, I don't know, four hours between us or something, <laughs> we, but we're both really dedicated and excited and we love what we do. So I think that's, we get each other in this sense as well, mm-hmm. that we're really, and it's just so beautiful to have somebody in your city who you can connect with mm-hmm. in that way. And yeah, just inspire each other and push forward. It's been really, really rewarding. It's only been a few months and I'm just so happy to have a partner like Mona and and be able to work together and teach together and you know we share our role our teaching roles in the community and again that was you know the first time it's always it's always a challenge right in that transition from anything right it, whatever you're transitioning if it's levels of teaching or age range it's always mm-hmm. a mental shift but actually mm-hmm. we're more flexible than we think and it's just a question yes. of trust and, you know, preparation. Mm-hmm. Preparation is key, but loose, mm-hmm. loose preparation. I'm, I'm yeah. a chaotic harmony kind of gal, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's so amazing when you find that person, that connection, and you're able to work together to move both of your ideas forward yes. and then you know, see what emerges. Like, it'll be exciting. This is still kind of in its infancy. It'll be exciting to see right. what emerges when when the ideas all come together. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a lot coming in the pipe. Stay tuned at Art Moms. <laughs> we, yes. and, and it's so funny for me. You might understand this, Rebecca, but 
as a an American to be co-director of Art Mums, not Mom, <laughs> but Mums. <Yep. laughs> it's every time I go to write it. Oh no no no! Delete delete because. It's one of those things that you have to get used to. But of course, you know, mm-hmm. Mona being Czech, she was raised on British English and she studied in the mm-hmm. UK. And so for her, British English is natural. So it's just it's mm-hmm. just one of those funny things that they I, I've been teaching in international schools for so long. And it's something that you get used to, right? I was um, yeah. I remember when I was in a pod with someone from New Zealand, a British what other accents do we have thrown in there? I think like Belgian, South African. I mean, there were just so many uh, French speaking Belgian. So it was, I have to be used to that. And I remember starting yeah. to doubt my <laughs> English skills because I'm sure now mm-hmm. even my family comments on the cadence and the accent that I have, they say, you don't sound quite like yourself, you know, because I'm <laughs> so, my husband is Czech. And so when I hear people speaking, mm-hmm. I I pick up that accent, the cadence, it's just kind of woven Mm -hmm. in. And after, gosh, how many years now? 12 years or 10 years abroad? Yeah. 11, 12. It changes. You you Mm -hmm. shift. And and I'm around so many different types of English all the time that it's Mm -hmm. very hard to remember when you're writing, you know, thinking and but but it's nice because it also develops the awareness, which I think is so helpful. Yeah, definitely. And do you both do like the there's the one parent one language yes. method with your kids do you like you speak english and he speaks czech with them exactly. i guess they're probably getting czech you know every in their environment in school right. or are they maybe they're at the international school so they're getting english they are yes yeah. so they're at the international school both of them now and mm-hmm. they're studying in english but my son mm-hmm. is already receiving the supplementary czech lessons so that he will get mm-hmm. both degrees so the international yeah. baccalaureate eventually and then the maturita which is the czech certification but at home they receive english from me. My husband does not, it's not his primary. I think if he would have to choose a second language to speak all the time, it wouldn't be English, but that's because Mm -hmm. he just, he speaks so many languages, you know, Russian and Spanish and German. And uh, he's, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's incredible on that front and makes fun of me a little bit because I only speak two, you know, (laughs) and a slow third, right? A Czech is kind of there on a border, but I'm Flemish Mm -hmm. and English bilingual. Those are That's how Mm -hmm. I was raised. So I was raised in that same way. So my mother always spoke Flemish to us early on. My father Mm -hmm. was English and my children now have the same in a sense, Czech and English. So, but Mm -hmm. every, it's interesting though. I think when people see us together, if you're sitting around the table, one person, you know, it's changing every two seconds. If my husband is speaking or if I'm speaking or if the kids are trying to speak to my husband and Mm. me at the same time, then it's English. So at least I get Mm. lucky on that front usually. But (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know that was a big challenge for us. My husband's first language was Spanish, but he grew up in the States speaking English and it was hard for him to kind of wrap his head around switching Because I don't, my Spanish is not good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we didn't do that. And we kind of regret, like, my daughter does not speak Spanish. She understands a little and has a few words. But yeah. 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 It was definitely a challenge. It's never too late. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it is is nice that there's the ease, right? When the children Mm -hmm. are young. Yeah. It can be so natural. Yeah. 
And that was an interesting thing being in the Czech Republic and being with so many other expats from so many different places. And you're just exposed to all these languages. Yes. Like as a baby, she was exposed to so many languages. Well, that's Um, good, right? The plasticity of the brain. So I have hope. Yes. Yes. Those receptors are ready. (laughs) Yeah, we can get it back. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I would love, I know this is a bit off topic, but I feel like it's a really important topic just to hear about maternity leave Ah, and your experience there. And, you know, you had both of your children there, right? Yes, I did. So you don't, you don't have the personal experience in the States, but I'm sure you've heard like any kind of, yeah. I have, you know, all my friends. Yeah, I've definitely heard. And it is a blessing and a curse, let me say. Mm. (laughs) You know, there's always two sides to everything. And Mm-hmm. I so deeply appreciate the amount of maternity leave that I've had. I'm technically still there at the moment. Mm. And I have been, my son is now six, right? So that's six yeah. years. So first because of my son. So you could choose one, two, three, four years. You are allotted a particular amount of money and you can choose to spread that money you know, across the years of your choice. And that's your maternity leave. There's some. There's a slight difference in the wording on what is what, but in essence, it is your maternity leave. You are paid mm-hmm. to be home. Let's not compare with American pay, right? Because it's really not much money. <laughs> but right. you are allowed. You are allowed to be home, and you are. Mm-hmm. There's a token. Let's say you are able to mm-hmm. manage. Most people are really quite happy with that. And they do stay home for the full amount of time. Mm. I, I obviously never expected that. I remember at the beginning, I thought, no, 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 I'm going to come back. And I did. I, I can't stop working. So I was always, you know, coming in and teaching lessons here and there. Or I was running the library for a short time when we needed at the school, at the international school, you know, taking over social media, helping out wherever I could. I was mentoring new teachers, mm-hmm. reading and literacy coordinator, things like that, where mm-hmm. I could come on an as needed basis. So that mm-hmm. was really helpful. Also, because I, I felt like my brain was melting and I needed to, <laughs> to connect and to speak with people who understood <laughs> what I was saying. So it was really lovely. Yeah. And I'm glad that I had that option. Mm-hmm. I know not everyone does. But yeah, so I stayed home that whole time and that's really what gave me the freedom to start Mm -hmm. digging into that creative space and that creative need that developed in me. And I just, like I said, after the first year, I had one, two exhibitions. Then I just went, it was just full steam ahead. I was just creating work like crazy. We had, I guess, I don't know how many years later, a couple years later, well, I started journaling and that has always been a part of my process. And I created mm. a book. So reflections on the postpartum or my postpartum experience and a little mm. bit woven in a, around those around me as well. Mm. So I published that book, another book as well, Mindful Mantras, that was just really something that I needed for myself. And, you know, mm. it can be such a healing experience. And I, so I wanted to share that as well. I had really the time and the space to do that. I mean, granted, you know what it's like being a stay-at-home mom, or I don't know if you do, but in it mm-hmm. for anyone who does, it's 
you don't have a whole bunch of free time. (laughs) (laughs) People think that people think, oh, how one, you know, people who don't have that, they kind of have this belief that we have all this time and space to do everything, but actually you are extremely busy and you have a child you are caring for 24 seven. So right. whether you work or not, and I was working for, you know, at the start right away, part-time, even though I was on maternity leave. And so I, I just couldn't help myself, you know, I needed it. So yeah, my experience was, I guess, somewhat similar. I, so I got pregnant pretty quickly after we had moved there. So I didn't. Oh, okay. You had your, your daughter here? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So and what was that like for <laughs> similar. you? Similar. Rolik? Oh. Would you like a Rolik for breakfast? <laughs> right. <laughs> that, for anyone who doesn't know, is just oh. a roll, but it is the classic hospital food is just a dry roll. You know, think hot dog bun. Um, That's what it looks like, right? Like a hot dog bun, but yeah, slightly different texture. Much more dry. Yeah, much more dry, yeah. crumbly. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And they used to give you beer, dark beer. Uh, to help the milk. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. Well, we, we left, I think we had to kind of like argue for it. But we left the hospital pretty quickly. Okay. Because it was, you know, like uncomplicated birth. And it was just really uncomfortable to be at the hospital. And we had chosen to go to a hospital outside of the city, which was great. Like I it was a really nice space. And we had much more space, yeah. but it also meant that the the midwives and the nurses that were coming and trying to like help oh. me with breastfeeding issues did not speak English and were just like really sort of rough. Yes. Well, I think so, that's everywhere, yeah. even in the city. It was my experience. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, there are lots of positives, lots of negatives. Right. It's always, you know, it's always a mixed bag, no matter where you are. Right. It's, there is no perfect place. There are no perfect people. There's just people and places yeah. and <laughs> yeah, unfortunate and experiences and we learn and grow from them. <laughs> yeah. But it was, yeah, I had this similar experience in the sense that it was really rough for me in the hospital. Mm. They, they kind of like threw the food down and ran and it, pardon, you know, you'd say, excuse me. Uh. And, and they would just run as fast as they could because they were, they were so <laughs> afraid to have to speak English. No, mm. but uh, my check got better yeah. by my second birth. So <laughs> yeah, they weren't running as fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I guess in terms of the maternity leave for me, I didn't have the, cause there's another aspect I don't think we really touched on of sort of job security. Right. Like if you've been working that when you take that leave of up to four years, which just seems you know, so insane coming from the American perspective that you, you know, not only get a little bit of money, like you said, not a lot, but you get a little bit to be at home being a yes. caregiver, yes. but you also have job security. Like there's well, and health coverage and health, all of it. Like, it's yes, just that's brilliant. That's brilliant that mm-hmm. you don't have to. I, 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 that's a huge comparison with the United States for me is that you can just feel comfortable being at home. You don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, in the States, I would always be a little bit worried, like, oh, what if something major happens? Do we have all the right, you know, are all the ducks in a row? And here it's just not yeah. such a, it's not a stressor, I would say. Right. It, you're really taken care of, which is so yeah. wonderful. And especially with children, they are yeah. 
overbearing at, you know, they, <laughs> there are checks constantly, which then make me paranoid. Oh, is there something I should be checking? You know, because they are just all the time, especially during my pregnancy. Oh my goodness. Mm. I was, I spent the my whole life booklets. at the hospital. Yes. It was incredible. Mm. I had yeah. so many checks and, and then they're even more afraid because you're not from here. And so they're checking you even more often. So mm-hmm. it's, it's wild. It was your whole day basically. So, you know, it was a great time to read because you had a lot of time to wait in a waiting room and you, <laughs> you know, you could sit, you could read, you could, had a lot of space to educate yourself about something new, which I did. And yeah, it was just, that freedom of being home. I don't know if, if how long mm-hmm. you were able to, to have that, but for me, that's, that's how I was able to explore this path. And by the time mm-hmm. I was finished and would have been going back to teaching, I decided to go a different way and, and really mm-hmm. take the unclear path, if you will, but the path yeah. that just felt so ready. You know, I, I felt really determined that mm-hmm. this was what I wanted to do what I wanted to explore. I feel like that's an amazing way to kind of transition out of that leave, having that time, exploring yourself. I would love to hear more, like you've talked about your exhibitions. I would love to hear more about your work and maybe starting just like visually, if you could kind of describe your work and I'll share images, but yeah, the challenging thing for visual people. Can you describe your work? (laughs) No problem. I really make expressive and experimental abstract works and they're very vibrant and color rich. And I'm each experience is one completely its own. And I think I struggled at the beginning with that, that they are so free and so varied, but actually that's the key for me. That's what ties it together, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I enjoy so much that free space, the mm-hmm. absolutely no judgment on what I'm doing to be completely and totally myself and whether that brings something extremely bright one day or something a little bit deeper or, or more varied, I just mm. trust myself. And I love what Chagall said about that, but just the idea that when we try to make something or put ourselves in the way, it's not going to work. We really have to take ourselves mm-hmm. out and just feel that process. And when you're really able, or I'm really able to get into my flow state, that's when the magic happens. But sometimes Mm -hmm. that trust, that little element of release, that taking that step is so critical, but so difficult. And Mm -hmm. it takes those routines or rituals, if you will, that help me to open it. And I think that's why it's been so hard for me to share that process because it is so Mm -hmm. personal and it's such a it's just private. It's hard to share, right? But there are aspects which you can share, but that full freedom Mm -hmm. of really the dance that I'm doing and the movement Mm -hmm. and everything, it's some friends of mine describe it as, oh, like I feel like I imagine your husband playing because my husband's a musician, you know, playing music in the background and you're dancing and free and, you know, it's happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It can Mm -hmm. be, it can be that, but it's just, I keep myself really open and not putting pressure on myself to create something or set an expectation. It's the same as my teaching, really, to 
to just set an expectation of exploration rather than any outcome. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that has been key for me in my work. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And you talk about it being varied, but it's also like I can see the variation, but you see your hand in there too. Like you see the movement and you can see the connections between all of the different pieces that you have. So yeah, there's variety, but it makes sense. But if I have to look at, you know, creating, you know, a wall of my marks, if I would be trying to synthesize that information, it would be a challenge for me because it is Mm -hmm. always so different. But yeah, like you said, Mm -hmm. it is me. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is authentic, but it's hard sometimes Mm -hmm. for others to feel who don't know me. Maybe I think the more you Mm -hmm. look at the work, maybe you start to see the connection, but it depends on the breath Mm -hmm. that you're experiencing maybe. Yeah. And I love how you also talk about kind of the meaning behind it the the process is so important and yes. kind of getting some of those feelings, emotions just out through that movement and through that process. I think yeah. lately I've been in this place where I feel so open and free and I'm a very intense person. I'm just <laughs> fun loving <laughs> out there. And I think that's how I, Mona and I are such a good balance. I, I call us the yin and yang. <laughs> we, are, we are really like this amazing partner partnership. But when I think about the color choices I've been making lately, I, I was thinking about that recently and it's really me. It's just felt much more mm. bright and bold and, that's kind of where my feelings are right now. And I'm feeling really, yeah, you know, you have those those different moments and different times, mm-hmm. but oh my goodness, it's kind of in your face, isn't it? With the pink and it, it's wonderful. I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's me, great. so I love it. Yeah. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love those bright colors, but I also love that you have some, you know, some work that's like darker or like yes. more subdued or more, you know, like a specific color palette. And then you have yeah. these really bright sort of, you can see the different feelings, the different emotions you're going through there. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to get some just kind of like fun, more get to know you questions. Okay. So the one I like to ask, what are you curious about right now? Ooh. Oh my goodness. This is such a odd topic. I don't know. <laughs> but okay. So a friend, my friend, Ellen, Ellen Bergen, she's amazing. And she is always exploring interesting topics <laughs> in her work. But she did this piece on placenta. And then she sent me a link to Radiolab. Does that sound? Oh, right? yeah. The podcast. Yes. So she sent me a link yeah. to Radiolab. And it's called Everybody's Got One, I think was the title of the episode. And it's about the placenta. Mm. And oh my Mm. gosh, that just sent me down. You know, sometimes someone sparks that rabbit hole for you and then you just Mm -hmm. head on down and you feel like Alice floating around. I mean, that's definitely where (laughs) where I'm at at the moment, where I'm just, (laughs) yeah, I'm down that rabbit hole. And Mm. it sent me into the ideas about, the human connection really and the struggles Mm -hmm. and the pushes and pulls. And, and Mm -hmm. then I start thinking maybe a little bit about the ocean and, and all the, Mm -hmm. you know, the relationships there. And I think that's, that's kind of those push and pulls that you see and the colors and it's all really connected Mm -hmm. to San Diego and my time there. And it was really Mm -hmm. influential and impactful on, I mean, I went to school there and so, for me, it's formative years and 
mm-hmm. really important friendships and times in my life. And yeah, so it, it's always just yeah. one little thing and then it sends me down or, you know, just down some crazy path. And yeah. I really, I'm kind of obsessing over coral at the moment now. Mm. So coral is a huge inspiration. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to look at marks there and just dive into Mm. what that can offer. That's I'm going on a trip now, as you know, to Seattle. So I'm hoping to get my hands on some interesting artifacts that I can bring back and weave into the Mm. practice. Beautiful. So I I, I like to think of the journey in in seasons, right? So even though now I'm going to be taking a flight with my two small children by myself to Seattle Mm. from Vienna, wish me luck. Good (laughs) luck. (laughs) Yeah. And and in COVID times, I think I've checked all of our documentation about a hundred times. Okay. What do we need? Mm -hmm. And my, as I told you earlier, but my son's class is in quarantine, but I had a feeling that this could happen. So I had kept him home for two weeks. So lucky enough, I hope, let's hope our COVID test was negative. We took it moments before this interview. So hope everything will be fine. I'm sure, I'm sure it will be. Fingers crossed. Yeah. We've been careful, but you know, a week ago, my Belgian family was here visiting my cousins and and my goddaughter and her, you know, my cousin's kids. So we're trying to keep the bubble really small, but we still live, right? We can't, yeah. we can't just shut it's down. It's so hard. So, and especially mm-hmm. with small children, but mm-hmm. hence why I think of it in season. So when they were here, yeah. we went out, we really explored the forest and Oh, there was a moment. Mm. Oh my gosh, Rebecca, where we were walking in the forest and we have a, a, a chata, which is a cottage. Every, you know, in Czech uh-huh. culture is a common thing. So we kind of go to our weekend house, if you will. And we took my family there and we were walking in the forest. Absolutely stunning. The leaves were falling. I was walking mm. through this little dirt path. And I just remember that moment. And it's things uh. like that, that you say, okay, just that image is implanted. That is definitely something mm-hmm. I will be drawing from that will influence my work. I, I don't I don't know how the way it comes mm-hmm. out is always so different because it's not, you know, I don't work in a figurative way or a structured way. It's all abstract and, and very, mm. it comes in the way it wants to, I guess. But I'm always yeah. collecting items and, and I never quite sure how they're going to pop up, but they usually do. So mm. that's the phase I'm in right now. And I'm looking forward Beautiful. to taking notes and just seeing, you know, having those moments and just capturing them mm. in my brain and, and uh, hopefully capture some photos as well and bring it all back. Yeah. Yes. In the beautiful Pacific Northwest. That'll and, be great. And then comes the working phase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, When you mentioned coral, it made me think of that. There's crochet work that's coral. Have you seen that? I'll have to find it. No, but that sounds amazing. Yeah. I can only imagine the texture and color. I'll find it. Here it is. Margaret Wertheim. Wertheim. I'm not sure how you say her name. I'll look it up. But that That is, I will link to that and share it with you. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Another fun question. What is your favorite food? So I always say sushi and it's true, but I'm a vegetarian. So, but I do eat fish. So not total vegetarian, Mm -hmm. just fish. And, and so sometimes, but sushi is definitely up there. But honestly, the thing that I always come back to is pasta, pasta with my Mm -hmm. vegetarian homemade sauce that my husband makes as well. And he does 
Whenever he wants to please me, that's the dish, you know, super spicy, (laughs) mega, mega spicy. Mm. And I love it. When we first came back from the hospital after eating the roll leek and dry bread, that was the first thing he made for me. And of course, I I thought I, I was going to kill my son because after I had, imagine I just eaten this spicy, spicy sauce and I'm nursing. And then I look at his face and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what did I do? Like, what was I thinking? Oh. So I, luckily he's fine. But you know, I turned him into a spice food lover. I didn't eat spicy yep. for a while I after that, but yeah, I think that <laughs> set the bar for him quite high. So he's, uh, mm-hmm. he's, He can eat any spicy food now. (laughs) That's great. I love it. (laughs) And then is there anything we missed? Anything you really wanted to touch on that we didn't get to? No. I mean, I think it's been really lovely talking to you. I would love to hear more about your journey here in the Czech Republic and why you moved here. Why why did you move here? Was it for work? It was my husband's work. Ah. Yeah, we had been in New York for... He had been there for at least 10 years. I'd left for grad school and come back. So around 10 years and we're, you know, we'd just gotten married. We were kind of like ready to have kids and did not want to do it in New York. We're also just kind of like fed up with America (laughs) to some extent and started really like throwing darts at the map of Europe, like throwing job applications at the map of Europe. And he got his first offer was in Prague. So we were like, okay, here we go. (laughs) It's a lovely city. Mm -hmm. And how long did you stay after your daughter was born? About two years. We came back when she was almost two. Yeah. So yeah, you must have had a wonderful time in the expat community. So much to do. And so kid friendly, right? Isn't it just such a... Yes. Uh, That was a huge... Coming back was a huge culture shock there. Like... Coming back as a mother, I'd never been a mother in the States and not having high chairs at restaurants, not having cafes that were kid friendly with toy, like every cafe had like a toy corner. Yes. (laughs) And And just not having like a bar in the park where you could go. (laughs) Exactly. You mean your Pebo, your beer in the park with your friends, with your stroller in the other hand. Yeah. That's that's the way to go. Check life. No, right. it's wonderful. It, it really is such a pleasure to raise your kids here. I mean, for me, mm-hmm. and I noticed the difference when I would come back to California to visit when I was still nursing. Ooh, the looks and everything. Because I'm, you know, I never thought I would be like that. But actually, I nursed my my children for uh, about three years mm-hmm. apiece. Me too. So, and, and it was just Honestly, it was just laziness. I I never had to make a bottle. It was fantastic. (laughs) You know, it worked for me. Whatever you choose is right for you. But for me, it Mm -hmm. worked. It was easy. And although it wasn't easy with my son at first, but you know, you Mm -hmm. get there. But anyway, it was a lovely experience in the end. And I'm so glad I did it for as long as I did. But the difference here, how open, nobody's going to say anything to you. Nobody's going to give you looks. People are going to give you your space. People are just, oh, can I help you with that? I remember it was really striking for me when I came back and I went into Target when I came to California and I couldn't, I was asking people, oh, I'm so sorry, could you help me with the door? Nobody. And I Mm -hmm. couldn't imagine that here. People just offer people just jump up. You know, if you're getting on a tram or something, oh, let me help you. Like it's just automatic. And I think maybe it's, yeah, it's just different norms and, mm-hmm. and positive yeah. in my 
pluses and minuses because I've been yelled at right. by a many babichka who have told me, why isn't your child wearing a hat? Because that's a thing yes. here. You must always be wearing a hat. There's a hat for every day of the year. My husband and I joke about this, but oh man, we've had a few fights about that. It's like, if my kids are not wearing a hat, it's like, well, where's this hat? Well, what do you mean? It's like, sunny out. Why does he need a hat? You know? Okay. Well today he needs a baseball cap. Tomorrow he needs one that covers his ears. And it's like, it's so funny. The clothes. Oh Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. But it is definitely a different, you know, like kids are just woven into society there and here it doesn't feel, it feels like they're excluded from a lot of places. I take my kids to my exhibitions. I even installation once it was a little bit tricky wasn't wasn't the most pleasurable experience but right. in general in general they're great you know if i can get a friend mm-hmm. to come and help me in case the baby was fussy or something that worked mm-hmm. out really well but absolutely they don't look at you know they don't think they just know that that's your life and great like bring your mm-hmm. child it's normal absolutely yeah why wouldn't you you know they're an extension of you of course right now they're babies so you need to be with them and they just yeah. take it, they take it as granted. And I love that. I really mm-hmm. do. I'm grateful. Yeah. For that. Yeah. I remember one, one thing that really struck me was some of the other moms in the community that I was in with a little bit older children talking about the guilt they were feeling over going back to work when their child was only two. <laughs> and yeah. It was like, that's, I mean, here it's like, you're lucky if you get six weeks. Right. <laughs> and but I've had Just a lot that, of pressure. That shift. Ugh. I've had yeah. a lot of pressure from the other side, the fact that I was working and I'm on maternity. Mm-hmm. So why am I working? Because I should be home. Right. And I ugh, that was a real challenge for me and many tears because the expectations of, you know, my husband's mm-hmm. family about what my role is. And I had to really mm-hmm. stand up for myself at times because I knew what I needed to do, what would make me the best mother. And that was a balance of both. And it was taking care right. of myself and my mental state and also my children, mm-hmm. but not one or the other. You know, I, I think we need to show, especially my daughter, but my son as well, that this is something that I want to do, that I need to do, but I'm here for mm-hmm. you and I care for you and I love you and you can come. Mm-hmm. And my children love to create with us. I'm lucky in the sense that my husband supports me very truly and deeply because, you know, he often Mm. plays at my openings and such, or his friends of his will come and play. And that's great. It's it's the treasure. He played actually yesterday at Blues Alive, which I don't know if you know this, but it's one of the biggest festivals in Europe, the Blues Festival. Oh, cool. Amazing. Yeah. So it's nice that he gets it. You know, it's wonderful to have a creative Mm -hmm. as a partner in the sense that we're a little bit much sometimes. We we kind of have to fight (laughs) for our rights. But at the same time, he understands where I'm coming from. And we do have that deep appreciation for the passion, for what we want to Mm -hmm. achieve. and, And we really try to support each other in that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Valentine. This was really wonderful. It was so great hearing more about your experiences, your story, your work. Where can people connect with you online? Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure connecting with you as well. It's been a while yeah. coming. So I'm really glad I, you know, I know. Seen each other <laughs> talked about you've been living in the Czech Republic. So I was really curious to hear your story as well. Yeah. But you can find me at Bella Valentina Art. And also on at Art Mums Europe. Those are the two accounts that that I'm handling. And 
Of course, my partner, Mona, is taking care of Art Mums United, but you can definitely, mm-hmm. we, you know, we share those as well, but she kind of mm-hmm. handles one side and I the other of it. So nice. I'm a bit more driven to the European side. But mm-hmm. again, you know, we run global exhibitions, global offers, as well as specific European targeted workshops and events, networking, exhibitions, all that good stuff. So stay tuned. Amazing. Yes. You'll have to come out here and join us. Would you like to come back to the Czech Republic? I would love to. Yeah, we at some point, my daughter just got her first vaccine dose. So we hope to bring her back someday and let her see, you know, where she was born, where she was a baby. (laughs) That's amazing. Yes, definitely. Well, you're always welcome here. We'd be happy to host you. Yes, I would love to. A little powwow with Mona will be lots of fun. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or Teaching Artist Podcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.